to get back into Joshua today. That's where we are. We're in the, the book of Joshua all the way in the Old Testament. It's the first book after the Pentateuch, so it's the sixth book of the Bible, and we're continuing through. This will be the last week that we do on the inheritance. We've been looking at the inheritance that God gave to the people of Israel. The first week we looked at how Levi got nothing, because, but it wasn't nothing. God himself was their inheritance. And what an amazing New Testament picture that is for us, because we get Jesus. Last week we looked at the uh, tribes of Judah and the two tribes that are Joseph's sons. And we, we examined how they didn't remove the Canaanites and how that could be a thing we looked at in terms of, of, of evaluating law. And instead, there's a neat picture within it of the gospel. Of Hebron, that would be David's place where David goes and takes Jerusalem, which would be Jesus' place that he died for us. Today I'd like to finish with the rest of the tribe. So it's a long piece, but this is what I want for you today to walk out with. I want you to be able to answer the question for me. Is God fair? Is he fair? And if that's an easy question for you, then I want you to be able to think about what that means for your life. The things that you get, the things that happen to you. That's my goal. You know, when I grew up, I grew up, and maybe not unlike you, this is a tough, tough passage for me because I grew up a fairness person. And I think many of us do, but I, I just, if you would give me the rules of the game, I just needed, I wanted a level playing field. Know the rules, and then I could, I could work hard at, at winning, at accomplishing the task that I wanted to do. The worst thing is if things weren't fair, you know. Kids are like that a lot. I mean, you give two cookies to your kids, and they will compare them on a template to see which one's larger, and then complain, whoever got the smaller one. You think, oh, well, that's when you're a kid. You know, you grow out of that stuff. We'll see. We'll see. Let's think about it. So that's what we're after today is to think about. And my, my contention for you today is that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel, this treasure that we have, is the answer to thinking about fairness. So, but let's, let's look, we'll take a few minutes and look at how God gives. I just want you to consider with me how God gives here in the Old Testament to these tribes this morning. If we're going to pick it up, if you have your Bibles and want to follow along, we're, we're not going to read every sentence I'm going to show you on a map because today there's, basically there's descriptions without any comment about the land that God gives. But we'll pick it up in, in chapter 17 because there's some commentary there that you should see. Verse 1, chapter 17, here we are, the word of God. It says this, Then allotment was made to the people of Manasseh. We looked a little bit at this last week. For he was the firstborn of Joseph. To Machir, the firstborn of Manasseh, the father of Gilead, were allotted Gilead and Bashan because he was a man of war. And allotments were made to the rest of the people of Manasseh by their clans. Abiezer, Helek, Azrael, Shechem, Hefer and Shemida. These were the male descendants of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, by their clans. Uh-oh. I see you guys. Here he goes again. Long list of names. Time to glaze. Maybe there's something on Facebook. Wonder how the Seahawks are doing. 
No, 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 no. This is, again, the description of what, what this is just, hey, this is what God gave, and you don't have to know them. This is what I want you to see. Now, Zeholophad, the son of Hepher, the son of Gilead, the son of Macher, the son of Manasseh, had no sons, but only daughters. These are the names of his daughters. Uh, Mala, Noah, I didn't know Noah was a girl's name. Hogla, Milka, and Terza. So he, he's got some girls or had some girls. And they approached Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the leaders. And they said, Yahweh commanded Moses to give us an inheritance along with our brothers. So according to the mouth of Yahweh, he gave them an inheritance among the brothers of their father. This is referring to a story that said to what happened back in Numbers when the dad died and they came because it was an extensive family and said, hey, when we get to the promised land, could you give an inheritance to the, to the women? Unusual in that day, but God said, Yes, do it. So, so they did. There fell to Manasseh ten portions besides the land of Gilead and Bashan, which is on the other side of the Jordan, because the daughters of Manasseh received an inheritance along with his sons. The land of Gilead was allotted to the rest of the people of Manasseh. What's the point? Okay, let's think a look. Think about it. I'm going to stick this map up. This is just the promised land. This is just Israel. It was, it was divided by God at the time there. And, and I want you to see, we're talking about that yellow piece kind of uh, just above halfway up, Manasseh. And I just want you to think about for a minute, if you were a son there of Manasseh and you got a portion of land and it was, it was an allotted portion, and then people came up and said, wait a minute, we want part of that inheritance too. I know I might have just a little bit of, wait a minute, my inheritance just shrunk. I'm getting a little less than I was before. That's all I want you to think about right now. Because the text goes on. Then the people of Joseph, that's, that's Manasseh's kids, said, why have you given me but one lot and one portion as an inheritance, although I am a numerous people since all along Yahweh has blessed me? Do, 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 do you see that link right there? Do you see what just happened? You'll miss it if you're not thinking about it. They, they're giving the lot of land, and it's that, that piece of land that we're just looking at, and basically they ask and they say, hey, wait a minute. We did, you didn't give us enough because, because, look at you gave extra to these people over here. We need more. It's not fair. Joshua's answer, I'm not going to read it to you. Joshua's answer is, okay, if you want more land, you go kick out the Canaanites. You'll have plenty of land up in the hill country. Go do it. You can do it. They've got chariots of iron, but it'll be no problem. If you need more land, go take it. That's what he says. I just want you to see that it comes out of this piece. They're human beings like you and me. We start to see this idea of, is this fair? That's because he goes on. And one by one now. Well, let, let me read you the, the setup for it. This is, this is chapter 18. There remained... Among the people of Israel, seven tribes whose inheritance had not yet been apportioned. Seven tribes don't have their land yet. So Joshua said to the people, how long are you put off going to take possession of that which Yahweh gave you? 
Provide men from each tribe, and I will send them out, that they may set up and go down the land, write a description of it with a view to their inheritances, and then come to me, and they shall divide it into seven portions. Judah shall continue his territory to the south, the house of Joseph shall continue in the north, and you shall describe the land in seven divisions, and bring the description to me, and I will cast lots for you. Here, before Yahweh our God. <laughs> okay. It's a little bit like the lottery. You're going to get first choice. You're going to get the lot. What are you going to get? The Levites have no portion, for the priesthood of Yahweh is their heritage. And Gad and Reuben and the half tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance beyond the Jordan, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave him. So they went. Joshua charged those, go up right down. They did it. The men went and passed up and down the land. They wrote a description of it by the towns in seven divisions, and they came to Joshua at the camp in Shiloh. Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord. And there Joshua apportioned the land to the people of Israel, each to his portion by lot. Okay, I have a question. Were all the tribes the same number? No. Did they parcel it out really equally? Well, let's look, because now he just goes through. starts with Benjamin, and again, I'm not going to read everything. You'll, you'll glaze. It's okay. The, the descriptions really are just what they are. The first lot that's drawn is Benjamin, and it's that little tiny slice right in the middle. They got 14 cities. That little under a frame that's, that's pink under there says, you can hardly read it, it says Benjamin. And, and, and then the next lot came to Simeon. He's all the way down in the bottom. And what they did was they said to, to Judah, your land's too big, we're going to take a little piece of it in the middle. But it's mostly desert, so they got some desert land in the middle. Fantastic. Wonderful. That's what Simeon got, it was 17 cities. Then went Zebulun, and he got 12 cities. Zebulun, you can see where Zebulun, he's all the way, that little kind of lavender piece up there above Manasseh. 12 cities for him. And then Issachar got 16, Asher got 22. Naphtali got 19. So they're, they're laying out these lands. And finally Dan got this little kind of L-shaped little red piece there. But when you read the text, there's no cities for Dan. Why not? They couldn't take them. Canaanites are too strong. They ended up going and taking a little city all the way up in Naphtali where that is. There's one city called Leshem that they took it and they renamed it Dan. They got one. Okay, then then Joshua got one too. He's from Ephraim. So chapter 19 ends with that, with the the division of lands complete. Why, Dax? Why are we even going through this? This is the map. Does it look equal to you? It doesn't look equal to me. And so you know where I go in my head? I go in my head to, well... It was fair somehow. It was either the populations were fair or the land itself was, some was fertile and not. And I'm sure God did it just perfectly right. Except for this. The Bible doesn't say that. The only list you get in the Bible is the number of cities and the cities aren't equal. And in fact, if you start to think about it, come on. These guys are getting 10, 15 cities. Judah got 150. 150. And, 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 and Naphtali's getting 15? This is problematic for me. If you're a thinker at all, it should be problematic for you because it hits at our basic thing that we get as 
Americans, I want it to be fair. This doesn't look fair. What would you think if your, you know, your dad died and you got your inheritance, you and your brother, and, and, and your, your brother gets a beautiful spang, spanking new Ferrari? You get a 1993 Ford Fiesta. Gee, thanks, Dad. Not that you deserved anything, right? But the fairness of it, it gets in us. That's what we do. And we think, well, we grow up, but we don't. I, I, I listen to, a, now you're never going to come to me for counseling, but I'm not talking about you. You listen, and oftentimes in counseling, you do marital counseling, and the issue is somebody's not carrying their load. They're not doing what's right. It's not fair. I'm doing all this, and they're doing nothing. And you know what? They might be right. It's not fair. It's not judgment, observation. It's not fair. And, 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 and so what I'd, I'd like you to consider today is that God's gifts aren't fair. Period. One family <laughs> can't have 11 years trying to have kids and can't have kids. Another family that seems like they look at each other and have kids. What's the deal? That's not fair. Dude, we, we, we pray tons more for kids than they have. One family has kids, and they're, you know, they're getting straight A's, and the kids are in the basement running their own business. And they're... Another family, you just hope the kid will move out of the basement. That, that's how it is, right? And you look across, and you start to look at other people, and you go, wait a minute, that, 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 that's, that's not fair. Co-worker doesn't work very hard, but they get advancements because, because they're the nephew of the boss. That's not fair. It's not hard to see by experience, right, that God's not fair in his gifts. If, if you just step back and think for three seconds, it should be obvious to you and me. I mean, there are people born with significant birth defects. And then there's me. Is that fair? No. I've been healthy my whole life. I never go to the doctor. My wife tells me I should. Right? You start to think through these things and think through that you got born here. Look at the blessings we get every day just because we live in America. And I watched a movie some time ago, saw Slumdog Millionaire, something up about Mumbai and just the, the terrible conditions people live in there. I've personally been to Africa and seen people starve. Look where I get to live. Is that fair? No. No, it's not fair. This is our experience. And so let me talk for a minute about why we struggle with that. Why do we struggle with the concept that God's not fair with his gifts? That it's not equal in my mind? Why? Well, first, let me just say, I hope, I hope that you acknowledge that you do struggle. I occasionally run across a person who says, I, I don't struggle with that at all. I think if you don't, you're either not really thinking very hard or you're not really alive. Because I think this is born in us. It's about identity. It's not really about money or wealth or stuff. It, it's about merit, really. It's about law keeping. It's about, it's about getting recompensed for what we've done and, 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 and having a field on which we can accomplish and strive. I want it. 
I know you have, if you like football, I can prove it to you. I can just take your team and I can give them bad refs. You will get so mad when it's not fair. It's about how other people see us. It's about how we think God sees us. And so I want God to be fair. I'm not talking about salvation per se. I'm talking about his gifts. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about success. I'm talking about stuff. I'm talking about just daily living, and I want it to be fair. So one thing is, I, I think that it's, it's like sometimes I, I just want to make sure I get my peace. I have anxiety over me getting my peace, my fair share thought about that you know i know it's like there's a pie and i'm a little bit afraid as i look around and people get big big stuff i'm like wow i wonder if there's enough of the pie left for my little piece if i'm hungry and i see a cake and and uh it's it's portioned off and i'm super hungry i'll look at that cake and i will notice which pieces are the biggest don't worry i may not take the biggest piece if i'm really hungry i'll take any piece and then, but my worry is maybe there won't be a peace for me. So I, I guess there is that, that just idea that it's a zero-sum game. But I really don't think that's the biggest thing for us. I think I should get about what everybody else does. I think if I work harder, I should get more. I think if the, the playing level should be, the playing field should be level. I think that I think there's some basic fundamental piece in me that, that says God should deal with me the same as he deals with everybody else and it should be nicely. That's why I said I think it's about law. Right? Especially especially for you and me as we start to dwell on what it is we're actually getting upset about when things aren't fair. It's because I think that, that, that there must be rules out there to find, and maybe I'm not finding them if I'm not getting blessed and somebody else is. Maybe there's a, a prayer I'm not praying. Here a while ago was the prayer of Jabez. That's been pretty much debunked, right? It's not true. But there's some secret code, if I could find it, if, if I could just do the right thing, if I, could, if I could get it, then maybe God will give me because there's got to be something out there that, that they're getting okay and I'm not. Maybe, it's, maybe my parenting is a mistake. Maybe, I don't know. Isn't there something inherent in everyone that God needs to... Support and what does what does it mean that somebody succeeds and somebody doesn't? So I start to make up these things and I start to find reasons and you start to go into the weeds because really God's got to be this way and so and so I struggle. How do I struggle like this? Let me give you an example. Maybe you can't have kids because you didn't take care of your body when you were younger. There, I found a reason. <laughs> Fits into my idea of fairness. You know, anorexia can play with your fertility. Maybe, maybe you lost your job because you never came into work on time. There's a reason. It's fair, you know. Maybe you don't have enough to eat because you waste all your money on cigarettes. Cigarettes are expensive. Right. So I, I, I rationalize, I go into these things, I do, I look at people and I say, oh, there they go, and th that's happening. And, and, and if I really start to go into the weeds more, I start, I throw them over here and I say, yeah, reasons, that's fairness, it happens and there's rules and people don't follow them, they get, they get hit. But come with me over here. 
Somebody who, who, who abused their body because they were abandoned by their parents, left homeless. It's their fault. Somebody doesn't come in on time and you listen to their story and they've got a kid in the hospital who's dying and they go every morning at three in the morning and they go and they be with their kid and then they rush to work and, and they've had it. Have you no compassion? Someone hooked on cigarettes because their parents made them smoke when they were kids. They got them hooked. So when you start dealing and getting in and, 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 and getting into people and the reasons and what? You get deeper and deeper. There's, there's always a but. To, you can spin and dive in and we try and determine fairness. That's what we're doing. Is it, is it fair? It's a evaluation of you versus other people to see if, if the thing that you're being given is really right. And somehow you think, I think you can kind of determine it. You can kind of judge people and see. You can kind of get down to it and, 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 and finally decide. And therefore, yeah, that's fair. Our society struggles with this. You think about it for any amount of time. All societies do. Communism does. They try and set a, a, a unique piece for each person. Then everyone works according to their ability. And they're trying to do a fairness piece first, you know, egalitarian. Versus our society that says, we don't, we're not going to do, we're going to try and create the level playing field. And the level playing field means that it's a meritocracy. And the more you work and the harder and the more you get out there and you do it, the more you have a chance to get ahead based on work, based on effort, based on ingenuity, based on things that aren't skin color and, 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 and socioeconomic background. And we try and, and, and get away from those bad things. Doesn't always work. It's not just money. We, we think we can succeed before God in church attendance or in memorizing scripture. I don't know what it is, but getting serious about discipleship, whatever it is that you may, may find your identity on, so that God will bless you, so that it may go well with you. Then you find somebody who has a, one of those didactic memories here, run across those people. I have. They're in medical school. It was totally unfair. There I was struggling to retain all this information. And they, like a snapshot, just clicked the page. And they would know it all. That is so unfair. You see, I want God, and I think you want God at the end of the day, to say, hey, hey, little Dax, you succeeded. Way to go. Good job. So, so really there's this piece, I think the struggle at the end of the day, we worry as we get our little pieces, we aren't valued by God. The base is that, that if we do more, then maybe God will value us more. And, 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 and this is why, this is why we're doing this today. To realize that God doesn't give equally is not to say in any respect, he's either not just or he doesn't love you. The, the story of my life is that my God adores me and it is not based on what I do. This is so critical to everything about you. So critical to everything about you. If you want to have peace, 
If you want to stop in the fairness struggle, if you want to say, hey, I get it. God doesn't give equally. In fact, some of the things I do, they just fail. Some of my life just falls apart. And if it hasn't happened to you, it will. There are things that are not good that will happen to you that you say, I didn't get as much gift as somebody else. You'll start looking around at other people and what they have. We, we fall into this stuff because of our problem. And the Lord says, hey, there's one way through this. It means you acknowledging that you're low, not thinking you get. It's about the reality that God loves the lowly. That means no ability. That means nothing lovely inherent in them, us. What do I mean? Well, that this is the only way, right, is to, to understand that fairness is you and I deserve nothing. Fair, fair would be not that the people of Israel got anything. Fair would be they got nothing. You, you realize who these people are. You realize that while God is giving them the Ten Commandments and the wonderful instructions of the law up on the mountain, they're at that very time worshiping another God in the, in the valley. You realize that these people grumbled and were angry about God all the way through. You realize God said, don't you dare think I'm giving you stuff because you are better than other nations, i.e. because it's fair. He says, I give because I am your God. So we step back, you step back and say, wait a minute, I, I deserve nothing. God loves me. That's my success, my only success. And it's not law. Law's the marker, law's the field, law levels the field. The, the equal playing field is law because you say, okay, if anyone does this, they will get blessed. If anyone does this, they will get cursed. And we can actually then measure your blessing based on how you answer you obeyed. Straight law. And instead, the Lord says what that actually is meant to do, that playing field, it's meant to realize that, on, that, that you're at forth and forever. There's no way. A Hail Mary will not save you. You're broken, you're lost, you're nothing. And what you actually get, you actually get saved, rescued, redeemed. And every breath you have is a gift from God. And, and, and the, the law says you need to be weighed and measured and compared to others. And, and so compared to that standard, you are judged and you are rightly judged by God that you need to die. And therefore, you die to the law, Romans 7 says, so that you can be united to somebody else. Somebody who died for you. You know him. His name's Jesus. God, it says, look at what God has in heaven for you and me. This is a gift. As it is written, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, no, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Oh, and we love him because he loved us first, right? It's not, oh, love him more so you'll get more. It's do you understand if you accept the love of God, if, he, if this breaks your heart and you take him in and you say, wow, what has God prepared for me? John 14, he goes to prepare a place for you, right? Jesus is doing that. How does he do it? What's going on? Well, think about it. Think about it for a minute. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. You've been through this verse with me before. But I, I, wish, I wish you could feel it with me so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What God doesn't do 
This is important. What God doesn't do is say, okay, what I'm doing is I'm wiping all your sins clean, you guys, so you have a level playing field. Now it's up to you. Get to work. We'll see who builds the biggest house. We'll see who gets the most things done. And we'll do that, and that will be your blessing. He doesn't do that, does he? This says actually that Jesus became your sin. He took it on himself. That got rid of your sin. I get it. But there's that second piece, right? That we might become the righteousness of God. We get actually dressed in his righteousness, his goodness. It's a gift and we just get it. It's not something we earn. It's not something we go for. It's something we actually get given. It's called imputed righteousness. We we aren't just brought to a level playing field. We're given the victory. We're given the ability to go into the presence of God where only holiness can go because of Jesus. Aren't we? God's given me everything. How did this happen? Well, this is in your, in your outline today. For because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. It's talking about sin coming in through Adam. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace. The abundance of grace. That, that, that's unearned. That's not fairness. That's, that's just given stuff. Abundantly. And the free gift of righteousness. You see how different that is than fairness through the one man, Jesus. See, the thought here is that because we're mortal people, because we know our time is limited, I want for me, I desire for me, and that's sin, my my self-orientation. The only hope I have is that I would get a gift. Not that I would earn, not what God would give me fairly, like he gives everybody fairly, like there's some sort of thing he's going to measure out for you. It's that you get a free gift by grace. The gospel is the only way to calm your heart. It's the only thing that says there's no identity in what you do. Not anymore. There's no value in the measure. Because Jesus paid it all. We must insist on this. We insist on sin forgiven and righteousness given. You cannot earn a higher place. You don't get into this thinking fair based on a meritocracy. You're, you're, you're thinking, you and I, we're thinking that we're being brought in from the highways and the byways. We're being brought in with people that have nothing and we're being brought into a wedding feast where we're showered with gifts. We're the blind and the lame and the leprous. We've been touched by the king. And, and, and so we should never use, let us finish the race to win the prize as if we're going to win some prize based on how we run. Are you kidding? He's talking about holding on to Christ till, till our cold, dead fingers are pried away and we're with Him in eternity. That's our gift. We're with God. Run the race to the end. Hold fast to Christ till it's done. Don't slip back into thinking it's a football game and it's up to you. If you think you're strong this morning, I invite you to get broken. I invite you to shift your vision. I invite you to see that God's not fair. If you're broken, I I call you to see that God's not fairness to you. Your limitations, 
They are passing. They are but for a moment. Second Corinthians 4 says that, that our current afflictions are just a tiny little blip versus an eternity of glory. That our God who gives and he gives us not equally, it's all gift. It's none of it merit. It's all things that just say, hey, I blessed you. Just rejoice in the, whatever it is, whatever small piece you have and realize that something so much more awesome is coming. And if you don't know this, Jesus, how I pray that you would come and find him. Come talk to me. Come talk about this amazing gift of abundant grace and righteousness given. Because this is what shapes your life. Nothing else. We stand here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text in the Old Testament that shows us you're not fair. Not the things you give, you give differently. But Lord, how much more we have nothing and you love us. Thank you, God. Thank you for your abundant grace. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning that pour out on every one of us. Lord, I thank you for the grace that pours out even on those maybe here this morning that don't know you. Your common grace. But Lord, I rejoice in the wonder of righteousness given from your Son. We thank you, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.